0: Uh, the ability to actually um, look for adventure and look for adventure and things that excite you. And then that excitement kind of gives you opportunities. But as soon as, as you find some sort of adventure, the second part of it is, is to say, yes, without thinking too much. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to try something out. And then the third part of this is being curious. That's kind of the front end of, of doing the adventure. And why I tell you this is because as I'm going to tell you what this journey is, you're going to go, ah, so he was curious about this. He said, yes, this adventure happened. He needed to experiment to figure out whether or not it was going to work. And then he went on to another step in his
1: career. Welcome to The Change Lead, the podcast providing leaders with the insight needed to get things done in a rapidly changing and complex world. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Connect with our community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. Welcome to The Change Lead with your host, Babatope Topé How can we respond to disruptive change? What can we do when we face challenges and opportunities that defy boundaries? Is it possible to innovate in times of disruptive change? To discuss this with me today is Derek Arise. Derek is the head of innovation education at Lightbulb Capital. Derek is also a lecturer at Singapore Management University. In addition to being a speaker and trainer, Derek is a mixed media artist. In this episode, Derek and I have a conversation about innovation in times of disruptive change. So hold on tight. This will be interesting. Hi, Derek. Thanks for joining me today. Really looking forward to today's conversation and welcome to the show.
0: Oh, hey, thank you so much for having me here. I'm thrilled to be here. This is such an exciting opportunity. Woohoo! Let's go. Let's rock and roll, man.
1: Nice. Uh, nice. Thank you um, so much. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I think to, to get started, I think, thanks for that enthusiasm as well. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm fascinated by your journey. Um, uh, when I look at what you've done, what you do, you've got a very unique combination of experiences or skill sets. Now everyone is unique in their own way but i think your journey stands out so i just i like, to, like you, to, if you could speak to your journey for a bit you know all the things sure. you do can you speak to that for a bit
0: sure absolutely so i think um when, when we met i uh, as we mentioned earlier I, I had to think about this right my my journey is is one where there's this consistent theme even though i've done so many various jobs um in uh, in different industries Um, So, uh, but there's this consistent theme and the consistent theme seems to be that, um, and and we'll repeat it as as we go through this interview, but it's more about uh, the ability to actually um, look for adventure and look for adventure and things that excite you. And then that excitement kind of gives you opportunities. But as soon as, as you find some sort of adventure, the second part of it is, is to say, yes, without thinking too much. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to try something out. And then the third part of this is being curious. That's kind of the front end of, of doing the adventure. And why I tell you this is because as I'm going to tell you what this journey is, you're going to go, ah, so he was curious about this. He said, yes, this adventure happened. He needed to experiment to figure out whether or not it was going to work. And then he went on to another step in his career. So, so you know, when we talked, one of the things you were asking me is, you know, where you're at now is, you know, I, I do lectures, I, I teach, I do facilitation, and then I, I do artwork, as you see in the back as well. I do, I do that. And, and all of those kind of fit into where I'm at now. But how I got here was mainly to through multiple different experiences. Um, that kind of got gathered up over the lifetime of my careers. So so I I've got a degree in biology and in psychology, and then I've got a master's degree in international business. And just when I graduated as, as a student, there were no jobs available. You know, MBAs were a dime a dozen. Nobody wanted to hire an MBA. You know, global recession was happening. Couldn't find anything. And I'm going, what am I going to do? And a friend of mine said, well, look, I don't know what you're going to do, but I need some help on this international exchange program I'm doing for some universities. Can you help me out? What happened with that, that opportunity was they liked the work that I did. And then all of a sudden I qualified for this international exchange program and thousands of kids go into this, this program, but I was one of the few in Canada that qualified and I qualified for this, this job and I'll, it'll go into answering your question on this journey. Um, It was a six-week internship and what they do is they match the person's qualifications with the organization's requirements and then if it matches you end up somewhere in the world right and and so canada would have a whole list of people that that um that they would have requirements for and other countries would and they'd match these kids and very few have a good match so i speak german and i i i was excited i thought "Uh, it's not going to happen but it's, 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 really nice that they offered this opportunity. Lo and behold, I, you know, I get this, I get this envelope, you know, like, like, like this. Here's an envelope. I get this envelope and it says, congratulations. And I open it up and I go, woohoo, I'm going to Austria. My friend goes, really? He goes, yeah. Cause, you know, I speak German and my family's German and, and, and Czech and they're all, you know, Eastern European and, 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 and I've been there before. And he goes, are you sure you're going to Austria? I go, Yeah, he goes. Well, let me ask you this: Is there an L in Austria? I go, no. He says, Well, there's an L in this Austria, so I think you're going to Australia, mate. And I go, Are you kidding me? What do I know about Australia? Absolutely nothing. I know zip about Australia. And I think, Oh my gosh, that's like that's not like Europe, a couple hours away. That's like the other side of the world, right? And my parents are going, You're not going, are you? Like it's a six-week internship. You don't know what you're going to get. And I went, No, let's let's try it. So uh, I'm curious. I want to see what a kangaroo is like. I want to find out. All of a sudden, I'm on this flight to Australia, six weeks, don't know anything about the organization, which, you know, not the smartest move in the world. But it was fantastic. In fact, it ended up being the best move of my life. I end up working for a multinational corporation that does development and construction work all around the world. Um, they gave me this project which it ended up being a project that at the time nobody wanted to do. You know, it was one of those intern programs where they go, you know, where, where it kind of gets fed down to the intern. But it ended up being uh, an opportunity for me to do something that I never expected before, which was I could develop a sports marketing package for an Australian professional leagues club, an Australian football leagues club and a shopping center and combine the two. Nowadays, that's typical sports marketing. But back when I was was working, it was not typical, in fact. And people didn't necessarily think it was a big deal because they thought, well, it's a football club, it's a shopping center. Just get the kid to do it and see what happens. Well, I found out that this sports club had over 100,000 members in it. And they had these like credit card membership cards. And so th- th- you're going to start dating me on it. Because with the membership cards, there's this magnetic stripe information. And I said, you know, who's recording all this magnetic stripe information about where they live and how that, what they do and how often do they go to the club? They go, no, we just use it as an identification source. And I went, do you realize that this is data that we could be using to actually bring more people to the shopping center, get more shopping center people to become more members? You know, we can do meet the player competitions. We can, and I went through all of this stuff, which is nothing n- crazy in North America. It wasn't for the National Football League, the NFL, they do that. For the, um, the, the NBA, they do that. All the professional sports leagues were doing it. They weren't doing it in Australia. And I was curious as to why or why not. I put this package together, and next thing you know, the organization took this on. And in six weeks, I went from this kid that, was just, you know, here for an internship to someone where they wanted me to actually start working with their development company. And then I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I, and I thought, oh, I don't know, because I don't know, still don't know that much about shopping centers. So they said, well, then you do public relation work. You do community relations work. I said, okay. So I started off on that. And this pattern of here's an opportunity. Do you want to take it? Yep. Grab it. Um, develop it, and then grow forward and experiment with it, learn about it, and then transfer that to another job is what I kept doing over and over again. So what happened there was I went from this intern sports marketing, community relations, public relations work, to becoming a shopping center marketer, and then one of the best ones in their their portfolio. I then went on to uh, go into retail development for a museum in Melbourne. So I built... Uh, parts of the Melbourne Museum. I ended up then uh, becoming a general manager for a sports organization similar to the YMCA, where we had 1,500 people working in aquatic centers, theaters. Then from there, I transitioned into public relations work, And I worked in Southeast Asia, then I went back into shopping centers and started being the general managers of these shopping centers, then actually ended up working portfolios of shopping centers. And finally, while I was working this portfolio of shopping centers in Southeast Asia, the CEO said, the new CEO that, so I transferred, I was in Singapore working on this portfolio, the new CEO there said, we need to be more innovative. And I was, again, I was curious, what's this innovation thing? I didn't know what it was, but I'd met someone at a party and I was dumb enough to say to the CEO, I met someone at a party that knows about innovation. Do you want to meet them? And he went, what? I go, yeah, I'll just introduce you to them. Again, one a complete fluke, just like the internship. And all of a sudden, this person that I'd met studied innovation culture. And he explained to the CEO, they explained to the CEO that if the culture, if the values and beliefs of the organization line up on this concept of what innovation is, then any innovation, any creation of new value will start being streamlined and will work really well. Because of that, the CEO said, Derek, do you want to do the innovation work? And I went, not really, because I still don't understand it. And he said, this is a career limiting move, you realize. I go, Uh, Okay. (laughs) How about let me think about it for a little bit. So I thought about it and then I thought, I wonder what this innovation stuff is. It sounds like it's interesting. I don't know if there's a future in it or not, but I'll take the run on it. So I did that. While I was doing that same type of thing, like the magnetic stripe technology example, I started discovering that if you could motivate people to create new ideas, create right environments for them to share these concepts and ideas, collaborate across organizations, not just in silos. If you can get them to then start testing things out, finding little budgets for people to test and build things, all of a sudden you can start getting really sticky in finding new, better ways of doing things. So, we still haven't gotten to the lecture part, have we? So, I was doing this, um, and uh, and it was working very successfully in Southeast Asia, across Japan, China, Malaysia, and Singapore. And, um, and then I needed to take a time out, took a time out. And a friend of mine that I'd spoken to and met, um, talking about, uh, we spoke about innovation like for hours at a time. He said, you know what, the stuff that you're doing in construction and development and all these other things, industries that you're doing, that's what we need in finance do you want to come and do some stuff for me in finance? And he said, and by the way, I also lecture at universities. I'd like you to be a guest lecturer. So I came in and I was a guest speaker at the universities, uh, at Singapore Management University. The university liked what I had to say. Um, and then my friend said, and you know what? Maybe you could put a course together on what this innovation culture stuff is that you were originally doing for your other organizations for Lindley's, And I said, sure, I did that. And that course then I ran at the university and I'm still running it. And then they said, oh, you got anything else? So the next thing is I'm running another program that's dealing with adaptability. So innovation culture, adaptability, fintech and innovation, um, now create how creativity works in the business environment to be able to find out new ideas. And from that particular evolution of of pulling these things together in the shopping center industry, in the sports, aquatic center industry, uh, fitness, um, museum, museum and and art industries, uh, advertising, all that stuff makes these ideas really rich. And all of a sudden people want to hear it because it's not just about one particular profile. It's about different industries and how all of these concepts in innovation and adaptability and creativity relate to them and how there is this common thread that's there. So I got there through asking a lot of questions, um, being curious, looking for that adventure, and then just saying yes and going out and doing it repeatedly. So every three to five years, right? And unfortunately, and fortunately that's how I got to where I'm at. Um, so I know very long answer to a very short question, but but that 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 that's the story, right? And um,
1: it, it, it's a fascinating journey. It's a fascinating journey.
0: It, it it's one of those things that you know I highly recommend everybody does it more. Like it's just you know take those risks. Like what's going to happen? You know I I know we get caught up in all these other roles and responsibilities that we have, but if there's something there that that you go, huh, that's kind of cool. I wonder how it works. Don't just dismiss it actually go out and push it and find out a little bit more about it because it just opens up this pandora's box of other opportunities right um and especially these days when you know where there's so much change going on all the time you got to be curious you can't just accept the changes that are going on like 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 nothing's happening. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, how many times do I have to update my phone? Like, why? Why do I have to update my phone so much, right? I thought a mobile phone is a mobile phone. A system is a system, right? Oh, no, you know, then secu- it's a security issue. Well, why? What's the issue behind the security? Are there hackers? Are there spammers? Are there scammers? What What's going on? Because all of a sudden, then you start digging into all these other things that are going on in this world just from, you know, holding on to your mobile phone and asking a couple questions. It's fascinating. So anyways,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I like it. I think um, that sense of adventure clearly comes across when you talk through your journey. The fact that you definitely had a sense of adventure and you just kept going for it. Um, If we look at a bit deeper to today's topic where we're talking about innovation in times of disruptive change. I like what you said. There's so much change going on, right?
0: Yes.
1: Um, So my perspective, I look at i see us as a global society there's a lot of change a lot yeah. of well, change to what i'll call the os of the of the global system so it's not just yeah. change that's happening and bubbling over there in the corner it's change that's going to fundamentally change our world now some people may not be convinced of that maybe they're not paying enough attention mm-hmm. and they may not be convinced that we're facing disruptive change so we would good to get your thoughts on what are yeah. the signs that we're actually facing this kind of change disruptive, really disruptive change.
0: Okay. Um, I think I think there's there's a couple of things. Um, if, 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 if you could imagine us being like in a time capsule, right? And you took us and, and you went back 100 years and then you went back 50 years and then you went now, what's going on now? You'd see that the change in pretty much a lot of areas, and I'll get more specific in a second, is accelerating so fast these days. As opposed to even 50 years ago. So 50 years ago, I'm I'm crapping with my math, but that'd be like the 70s, right? And then another 50 years would be in the 1920s. 1920s sounds like it's you know stone age, you know. And yet the 1920s was the Roaring Twenties when you know the the alcohol prohibition was on and you know, an organized crime was formed. Like it was a hot time back then. And in the 70s, oh my gosh, you know, we're talking about the 70s and. A lot of people listening might not even know about it, but it wasn't that long ago, right? And yet, when you were around, how things altered and changed would be slow. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, there's, there's a couple of different easy things to look at. What, what was the technology in the 1970s? Oh, black, like, color television was a big deal, and it was about, you know, the size of three meters wide by four meters. Like, they were huge, right? Uh, what was the other technology? Oh, landlines some some people like even even the mobile phones didn't come out until till the the eight, right okay so so that's the 70s 50 years ago so what was the rate of change there ah oh, well we're going to you know see if our if if we can actually create a calculator that's the size of a desk and be able to calculate things well you know so so that that's that's 50 years ago now oh my gosh every every day there's a new bit of of technology that that's coming in, just on the on, on the on the disruptive side of things, the the processing time of of central processing units uh, is is ridiculously fast now, um, you know, and it's still doubling up. Um, I mean, you know, we've just got generative AI becoming the hot topic, uh, and yet you know, ChatGPT only came out maybe about six months ago, and now it's now you know, banks are actually I think. Today or, or tomorrow, OCBC has got OCBC chat. So they've got a chat GPT for OCBC Bank for, so, that so that their staff can do it. Think about in the 70s, would a bank actually be able to spin that quickly and pick up something like generative AI and find a way of actually making it manageable and putting it into place now? No way, right? So you've got this, these technologies that are going on. You've got um, uh, the shift from just normal microchips to the discovery of quantum computing, and you know, and, and you think quantum computing back in the '70s, you would be thinking about Star Trek, you know, and and or whatever was out there. And now, what happens is like I bumped into a, a student um, at the at Singapore Management University the other day, and I go, so oh, uh, what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm from Taiwan. I'm doing my PhD in quantum computing because we're really close on actually cracking cracking some of the ways of making this theory into a reality, right? So that's just technology disruptive change. And if you want to think about it, you know, we're on iPhone 15 now and they're doing like new iPhones every six months. Whereas when the iPhone originally came out, it would take a year to go through. You know, Um, So and technology is driving all of this side of it. But there's other things too, such as business model disruption. So business model disruption is, you know, what are the new businesses? Yes, some of them are driven by technology and a lot of the entrepreneurial classes look at organizations like Uber or Airbnb and how, or even um, Netflix and how they use technology to go from, you know, the film industry to streaming um, or to use uh, logistics and, and lots of capital investment in hardware to actually transferring the whole model away from the investment in capital there and completely into electronics and logistics, right? Um, Using um, opportunity space to actually hire out rooms instead of having hotel systems in place. You know, another form of disruption. And A third form of disruption is... um, how we communicate socially, right? Like, have, I don't know what it's like in London, but, but when I go onto the, uh, public transport system in Singapore, this is what everyone looks like. Like, uh, uh, and I go, yeah, but, you know, I remember a time, and it's not that long ago, maybe six or seven years ago, where, you know, you would say hi to somebody. Right? If you wanted to meet someone, you'd say, hi, how you doing? Or, gosh, I really like that, that shirt you're wearing, or those frames are really interesting. Or, now, nobody does that. What they do is they, they text. Like, how do they form their social groups? A lot of social groups, what you would do is you'd have to go out and meet and interact with people. Now your interaction is how fast you can type on a keyboard, how many icons and emojis you can do, how many of these shots can you do. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, right? But, and it's funny, but it also has this major impact on how we socialize as people. And, and it's got this spin off effect, you know, the, like, for example, when we're talking about health and wellness, the, the cases of, in developing countries of people being depressed, even though they've got all this great technology, all this knowledge available to them, is higher than it's ever been. So these are, these are social disruptions. Then we've got economic disruptions, the geopolitical tensions that are going on. Like, I was just listening to the, uh, the CEO of City. um, at, I think it's the EPIC conferences that are going on right now, where they were saying, you know, um, thank goodness what we're doing now is we're seeing um, major changes that need to happen across supply chains. Even though we're getting a little bit more nationalist movements happening, we're also realizing that we can't put these borders a- a- across and just protect ourselves. We need to be able to expand. And actually collaborate in a better way. But we're still going through, through those tensions, right? And, and the really high levels of tensions between China and the United States were only a couple of weeks ago, not months ago. And we'll see how quickly those things shift. Then you've got environmental changes that are going on. I don't know if you're aware of it, but I certainly am keeping an eye on it. And I'm not even talking about carbon, carbon trading or, or zero emissions or uh, what I'm talking about is water shortages. Like, there are major major battles going on on who's got water rights corporations are starting to get involved in this like where is the world going with all of these types of things education you know what's going on with our educational system what's the impact of online learning being what's the impact in their healthcare systems of covid of hiv of new viruses that are coming on covid knocked the world down on its bottom right like when we look at this How can someone say there's no disruption going on? In fact, everything that we've been doing is accelerating and getting faster and faster through technology, but every component that we talk about, I find that there's some major form of disruption happening. And how do we deal with it, right? And that's where this adaptability, innovation, curiosity, hunger to actually find a way of making it better becomes really important. Because for me, that's the life raft for all of us to actually develop this as a core skill so we can keep adapting and changing and finding better answers.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of change you, you itemize there that is fundamental when you lay it all together, you, there's a lot of change going on. Can, can we deal with that much change? That's a lot of change.
0: <laughs> of
1: course we can.
0: Of course we can yeah but like but but it's uh, of course, the human being is 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 an amazing amazing creature our ability when you think about it you know it was only two thousand years ago when we tried to discover things like the wheel and fire and you know and um and needed to protect ourselves from from nature uh, you know field shelter become an agrarian society and in fact if if you map it out if you mapped out from when we were prehistoric beings through to now. And let's say that's two million years. We didn't even, and and let's say that that those two million years were, we um, equated that to one one year of 365 days. We didn't even start doing, um, creating agrarian societies until about lunchtime on December 31st, right? okay and 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 we didn't even start our technology ramp up until about 11:59 p.m. right so if you look at at, at december 31st noon through to 11:59 p.m. we've done so much in such a little amount of time and i've got so much faith in human beings because we have so much capacity our our human brains you know we only use 10, 10 to 15% of our brain at any potential time, right? Roughly, you know, the neuroscientists are going to shake their head and say, no, that study was not proven. But but my point is this, there's a heck of a lot of stuff that we're not even scratching the surface on. And I don't, you can put whatever number you want on it, but you see when people are put into a crunch situation, how they rise up to things. And you go, of course we can, right? I mean, one of the biggest things is, I think Viktor Frankl said something along the lines of, when people are best fulfilled, when a person is best fulfilled, it's when they are doing a challenge. It's not when they have a time of peace, but it's when they have a purpose and a challenge that they need to rise up to. That's when we become the best of who we are. So that's what we need. Now, how do we go about doing that is, is really the the the, I guess, the... The query, the quandary um, but I think we're smart enough to figure it out, you know uh, Edward de Bono said something really interesting um, and sorry i'm just I've just- re- it sounds like I read all of these guys i don't i read, I bumped into these things like last week, and i'm I'm picking up books because I'm cleaning out some of the stuff in my apartment and and so you know I'm not trying to throw these names around, but Edward de Bono's really good on lateral thinking and on thinking processes and stuff. And he said, you know, we as people are excellent. The only problem is we're not excellent enough yet to solve the problems that we should. So so I agree with him completely. I think we're awesome. But we got to pull our socks up a little bit more, right? we got to stop focusing on the distractions and shiny things and figuring out how to actually make things happen right so like with artificial intelligence yeah it's ooh and it's ah but how do we ask these machines better questions to get better answers you know uh, that's that's for me the thing i i mean i'm happy that it's organizing my schedule if i went to italy and you know it's telling me how to write letters and stuff but oh my gosh how long did we go to school to figure that out let's start asking these machines really nutty questions that force us to think further right and we can so we should and and that cascades back to the answer that I want to give you is of course we can pick this up but is it going to be easy no it's just like this experimenting thing right it's a bit scary and and the only reason all of these different things have worked for me is because I had a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure out how to do stuff a lot of hard work, a lot of effort went into it, and I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just I found that things work better if you put the hard yards in, and for us to be successful in this crazy future, we have to. We're going to have to do some hard yards, but of course we can get there. Of course we can. You know, we created it in the first place, right?
1: You yeah, know I, I like that answer. I think it's. it's um, you have to be brave to give that answer but it is the right answer really is that as long as we do the hard work as long as we're ready to experiment that sense of adventure we can yeah. we can rise up to it if yeah. we imagine a professional so like an engineer a salesperson, yep. person man, yep. an accountant and they're facing this crazy world this world of massive disruption what what specific things can they do to you know, begin to apply innovation in their careers and their lives sure. yeah to deal with what they're facing
0: yeah okay um I think I think when they're when they're um intense right take a deep breath go for a walk right just <laughs> you know you know because because you feel this angst right just go for a walk and and chill and get yourself from whatever angsty uh, state you're in to one where, okay, yeah, let's just balance things out, right? So, so for, first things first on that one. Next component, though, is think about the things that, um, the, that, that help us move forward in an innovation often. Um, so, I'm going to give you characteristics that work in innovation, but they're also very applicable in day-to-day life. So, the first one is, this uh, concept from a lady called Carol Dweck called growth mindset. Growth mindset is about, so a mindset is about how you see the world, right? So, so the world goes really blurry when I take these glasses off. And then when I, I put them on, everything's crystal clear. But the weird thing is the world is crystal clear all the time. It's just this lens that I've put in and off. And mindset is, is, is the lens of how you see the world. So growth mindset is very much, a uh, a lens where you go, you know, I can't, I can't do anything totally wrong. Like, but what I like, I can test things out all the time. But I'll never be wrong in what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm learning from it. I'm experimenting, right? So when you do an experiment, it's not whether it's wrong or it's right. It's actually I'm testing out a theory. Am I closer to getting the theory right? Is it, or do I have to alter the theory to get it more in the right direction? So growth mindset is about this opportunity where you look at something and you say, okay, I'm gonna do this and there's no wrong or right to it, but I'm gonna learn stuff from it. And if it's super successful, I've learned it's super successful. If it doesn't work out, I've learned how to modify it so that I can start moving forward and adjusting it. It's never really a mistake. It's just a learning through an experiment. So growth mindset is all about learning and growing continuously. So back to how it applies to people. When you're trying stuff out first feel confident that you're trying something new and with this change that's going on some of this change is going to come your way but you need to put this lens on to go you know if it doesn't work what did i learn from when things don't work so that if i tried it again i can start helping make it work better right so growth mindset is really important second part of it is this thing that is experimentation you try things out so you know uh, if you're using an, uh, an Android phone all the time, then mess around with an Apple phone for a while. And you might go, well, why would I want to do that? Well, because you're going to learn stuff that is applicable to Apple and then learn stuff that's applicable to Android. You're going to learn about both of them. And then from there, you're going to find out about this growth mindset, you know, about, hey, now I'm not that freaked out about technology anymore because there's two different operating systems that I'm comfortable with um so it, it's it, it's being able to do that third is this curiosity thing that i was talking about before right you gotta want to figure it out like if you're freaking out about technology and you know derek saying well jump into it because it's good for you why would you want to do that unless you're curious right and then you might go well curiosity's about asking why things work the way they do and then finding out a reason why To say, hey, is this something that I'm interested in? Or is this just something that's going to be interesting? Dinner conversation. So curiosity in the world around you, testing things out to experiment, and then going, huh, did that work? No. Okay, what did I learn from it? Or did that work? Yeah, totally. And this is how I can benefit from it. That is, I guess, the starting point. I think also the third part that ties into it, or the fourth part that ties into it is, constantly wanting to learn which kind of is built in while you're doing these these experiments right but one of the things that we have to learn as we become more adapt uh, uh sorry as we want to become more adaptable is stuff that we learned maybe last week or last year or 2 years ago we might have to unlearn and try something new so for example um uh let's say when it it comes to um Oh, well, for example, some digital tools that, that we've used. like So some di- digital co- collaboration tools. Like, for example, um, originally, do you remember when Zoom came out, everything was really super clunky, right? And yeah. there was lots of mistakes that we needed to do. And, and people going, oh, uh, uh, you'd have these meetings and the cameras weren't lined up and the lighting was junk and audio was crap. And people would come in and out of meetings. and that. And now all of a sudden, people are just used to it you know, like audio is clear, sight's pretty good, technology's helped a little bit on it, but I think people are getting better at these types of things. So so that that whole experience of being able to try these things out and and, and fix them and, and adapt to them and, and learn with them are really important. Um, and then built into that is this risk taping thing that I started at the beginning on. You, you take these risks, you take a jump and you go, okay, I'm going to learn how to do video conferencing better or I'm going to learn how to do tech better or it doesn't have to be like that you know you know might want to go I want to find out about for example all these viruses that are going on like is there I hear there's a new one that I want to check out is it called the r26 that's kicking around or something like that you know so hey you know okay I could hide with it and hope that it never comes or I could figure out what's going on become informed on it once I become informed, adapt to it, learn, and then move forward. And I think that's that's what I, I would say is, is is the starting point. That mindset, taking those little risks, having this hunger to learn, being curious about these things. Um, and if you're not, I've got a tip. Then pretend for a while. Pretend you want to be curious. You know, pretend that this is something interesting. And you go, no, that's ridiculous. No, when you were a kid, you'd do it all the time, right? If you were misbehaving and your parents said, "Behave," you'd sit there and you'd be very polite and you'd do everything that they wanted to. It was a fake job, but you did it, right? But what you learned then from that is how to behave properly for a while. So you still need to, you still need to do. And it sounds so cheesy, but I tell you what, it
1: works. It works, right? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Derek. If you'd like to connect with Derek, check the show notes to find details. If this episode was of value to you, please consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcast. Leaving a review is the absolute best way to support the podcast and ensure I continue to have great guests on the show. You can tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Audible, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, The Change Lead website, and many more. To continue the conversation, please connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day and see you next time.